You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Critical Mass Business Talk Show, Orange County's longest running business talk show. And yes, I'm your host, Rick Franzi, and we have a great show planned for you today. Why do you ask? Because Erin Schaefer is our guest. She's the founder and CEO of Terra Lumen Games. Erin, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. Let's start with the origin story. Take us back and help us to understand your original motivation or inspiration to start your organization. Sure. Um, So I have a background in art and psychology. Um, I have an undergrad degree in theater and um, I have experience in visual art, uh, but I also have done post-bac studies in psychology and neuroscience. Um, And starting in 2012, I began working with this incredible organization called IndieCade, which is the International Festival of Independent Games. And I worked there for almost 10 years before starting this company. Um, running events and conferences um, for independent game developers who are working on all kinds of different games, games for social impact, art games, great commercial video games. Um, And I would say, you know, throughout my time at IndieCade, I was always sort of, you know, had my eyes open for games that addressed mental health because of, you know, my background in art. Uh, psychology and neuroscience. And um, definitely some games came through the festival, um, some amazing games, but they were often sort of niche, um, autobiographical, and there weren't as many as I would have expected. And I would say the real impetus for starting Terra Lumen Games was the pandemic and just the fallout in, you know, communities and schools and the youth population and thinking, okay, We needed it before. We definitely now need, you know, commercial, um, accessible products that address mental health and kind of push it into uh, mainstream conversation. And so what have you learned about being the CEO of your own game company since you launched? Well, so... I already had learned some things by working so closely with um, Stephanie Barish, who's the founder and CEO of Indicade. Um, she really taught me that so much of running a company is about people, you know, having authentic connections with people who are have, you know, similar values and um that, you know, for me, especially being involved now in a business with like a societal, uh, you know, social impact mission, uh, it's crucial to find people that share those values and are really passionate about the same things. Um, I would also say that I've learned to listen to other points of view and including opposing points of view, because there's always Mm -hmm. something to learn there. And I think finally I've learned, um, to know what my weaknesses are or where I have blind spots and to make sure that I seek out experts and collaborators to sort of fill in all those areas. So those are two, well, it's all interesting, but the last two really, you know, listening to voices that disagree with you while that on the surface is admirable in practice, that can be challenging. It can. Yes. And, yeah. and and that's a learned skill, frankly, mm-hmm. because uh, as the 
as the founder, uh, people take their cues from how you react. They do. I mean, I think especially in this kind of field, you know, um, when you're looking at the intersection of mental health and sort of any industry, but say, but especially games, there's a lot of different approaches that you can take. And so, you know, I think having respect for different, different approaches, different types of products, um, and listening to people who are coming at it from a different angle, who believe in a different, you know, I think all of that is really important and helps inform what we do moving forward. And it also just keeps you really, um, honest about your own approach and what you're doing um so yeah i think it's really important oh i applaud you but it's not always human nature no especially, especially when it's something that's important or a strongly held opinion yeah. or where the group is moving in one direction and there's one dissenting voice it's the leader can be challenged to respectfully listen and then respond and then the other part is discovering your own gaps, weaknesses, call them what you will, and finding people who can, can that's really an enlightened approach because it does take a group of people committed to, it's a lot of energy to get a company off the ground as the founder, you know better than anyone how, yeah. how many we've, late nights. We've been really lucky. I mean, we are, we're working with some real industry veterans um, in the games industry. They go through all of our design documents. I consult with them on um, production pipeline, all of our budgets, um, as well as, you know, sort of funding pipelines, when are, when's the right time to reach out to publishers. Um, but then we also work with mental health professionals to review all of our, all of our scripts, our dialogue, make sure that we're using language appropriately. And um, we've made changes there when it's been recommended. Well, and I, I want to welcome Paula, a loyal listener to our show who made a comment and I see Haley brought it to the screen. So Paula, uh, it's good to have you listening and thank you for making a comment. We appreciate it. Let's talk about Terra Lumen. You know, this is such an interesting, I find it fascinating. So I'll just say, tell us about, you've told us a little bit, but really take us into the business and what you're trying to get accomplished and how. Sure. So um, we are trying to inspire awareness of mental health issues through play. Um, so our goal is to make commercially viable, um, inclusive, accessible games that have a mental health focus and can be popular played across um, different age ranges and do this by, you know, really leaning into making games that are fun, that are beautiful, that have engaging narratives. So our first game is Cora. Um, it explores anxiety. It's designed to be played by youth, but it's not sort of a traditional kitty game. Um, it's mature enough that you can imagine it being played by, you know, let's say a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old's playing it. You can imagine their older brother or sister playing it, their parents playing it. In some ways, it's sort of a family game so mm -hmm. that if you have, say, a kid who's suffering from anxiety, they can play this game. It's non-judgmental. It's not trying to fix the anxiety. It, it, there are cognitive behavioral skills that are incorporated into the game mechanics and the sort of challenges that the hero faces are sort of manifestations of her anxiety. So anxiety and, you know, the symptoms of anxiety that's woven into the world and into the narrative. 
but it's not saying, you know, a one-to-one, if you play this game for 20 minutes a day, you're going to learn X, Y, and Z, or we're going to change you in X, Y, and Z. It's really about developing awareness and self-compassion. And if you come out of the game able to name your feelings better or um, ask for help when you need help or breathe when you're feeling, you know, a, you know, um, sort of hyper aroused, that would be great. But we're not claiming that the game can sort of teach those skills one-to-one. The most important thing is that the player uh, becomes more aware of anxiety, uh, has more self-understanding, and that anyone else who's playing the game can have more compassion for somebody who's going through something like this. And, you know, we have three other games that we want to make after this, and they explore different issues. They're all for slightly different audiences, but it's a similar sort of non-judgmental approach that really leans into the art of game, of what the game is to raise awareness, um, build self-compassion, build empathy for other people going through struggle, and maybe also imparting some skills along the way. So I, I need to ask a couple other things because because I'm fascinated by this, because I, I, I applaud what you're doing, but a part of me says, what are the challenges or risks that you have encountered as your team has developed this game to ensure that you are actually achieving the outcome and not inadvertently doing something that would be harmful? No, I think that's a really good question. I mean, you know, a lot of that comes in constantly working with people in the mental health field while developing the game, making sure that we are, again, using the right language um, and that we are representing the hero in the right way. Um, You know, we also are making this game non-violent and it's not a game that is designed to make the player anxious. It's actually, um, you know, it's designed, if anything, to be, it's, it's a challenging experience and it's an adventure game. So there are some, you know, there's, there's conflict and, and all of that, but it's not actually designed to like make the player anxious and then ameliorate the anxiety. Um, and then I think, you know, the most important thing with any game is to play test consistently throughout the development of the the project and to be doing that on two levels um, in this particular field. So one of the, you know, it's playtesting the game to make sure like the actual gameplay is fun and engaging. It's not getting boring or stale, but then also playtesting to see, okay, are we communicating what we're trying to communicate? Are there any problems with how we're communicating that? Like, are we way off the mark? Are we hitting the mark or are we, yeah, creating problems where we're not intending them to be? And how do you know, how will you know if you're helping the players as they, with the areas that you were hoping that they might be able to develop skills that they didn't have before? What would be the indications or what are you expecting the outcome to be from all the time and effort that you're putting into the game? Well, so there's sort of two ways to evaluate that. Um, The first way is, like I was saying, as we're playtesting and we're doing sort of focus groups, um, we're working with um, clinical psychologists to develop sort of questionnaires about, you know, how sort of getting, establishing a baseline of, you know, how do they view anxiety or are they aware of this going into the game? And then what are they coming away with? And doing this in a way where we're not leading them too much, but we're really trying to keep it as open-ended as possible to see what are they actually getting from it. After the game is released, um, a lot of it will come from 
reviews and what people feel like they're getting from playing the game. I mean, at this point in time, we are not planning to do, say, clinical trials for the game. We're not going for FDA approval. Um, it really is more of a narrative adventure that explores these issues. And so I think a lot of it will come from player reviews. So how do you intend to raise awareness for Cora in your target demographic? Um, what's the go-to-market strategy? The go-to-market strategy is to, well, we'll release this game on console, um, very likely the Switch, since that's really uh, popular among young people. Mm. And then to promote the game to, um, to parents, to younger players, also to educators, to um, therapists in those communities. And, um, you know, we'll do all of the sort of, you know, general game marketing, but also, you know, talk to mental health publications and things like that so that uh, the different communities of people who support young people struggling with anxiety are aware of the game and they're aware that it's out there. Off script, but just curious, any sense for how big of an issue this is with your target? How? Yeah. Anxiety? What? So they, the CDC says 25% of children and mm -hmm. another 20% of children experience depression and only 80% of young people get the help that they need. Um, there's been a real push in the psychiatric community um, to create non-clinical interventions and products that really support conversation, awareness, putting language out there so that, you know, young people especially can kind of identify what they're going through and not feel so ashamed of it. Um, right. Even though mental health is really out there way more than it's ever been before, it's still stigmatized. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a, the other interesting thing is that there's a lot of research now being done into games and the benefits of games. And there is a real call to action to make these kinds of products where it's not necessarily like a CBT app, um, but it's something that is, you know, really story driven and is really leaning into what people already like doing when they engage with these games, but using the actual narrative structure and the story and the mechanics to reinforce different kinds of things. So you're not just sort of a hero who's magic for whatever reason, and you can fight these, you know, yeah. that's all amazing. That's great. I'm all for that. But there are other ways to tell hero stories, you know, and that can involve dealing with actual personal kind of struggles, you know, and a young person seeing that and seeing somebody kind of come through that and identifying with it could be a really positive thing for them. Well, I really applaud what you're doing and the team that you've put together. I, one final question, because I've got a bunch of other questions and, sure. and I'm getting so um, we may not get to them all today. That's right? okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, how have you found the investment community receptive? Have you bootstrapped this? Are there federal programs? What, what has been the back end of it to keep the company growing and the product products yeah, that's evolving? A good question. I mean, right now we're completely bootstrapping it. Um, hundred percent. We are working on a playable prototype with um, additional assets, which is mostly um, concept art that we will put together in a package to then go out to funders in the near future. Um, and there are different roads to funding. There's angel investors, there's VC, um, and there are some grants out there as well that support the kind of work 
that we are doing. And then, you know, there's also a route in which we work on the playable prototype. Now we raise money for the vertical slice, which is like, say, a best way to put it, it's like a pilot for the game. So it's a very polished level that says, okay, this is what the gameplay is like, you know, this is what the art is like. And then, you know, take that to a publisher and, and partner with them for the rest of the game. So there's mm. different routes um, that we're pursuing and we're sort of taking it step by step as we build the assets that we need for each one. Um, but at this point, we're bootstrapping it. I applaud all that you're doing. This it takes a lot of energy, compassion, and focus to bring a bring a company to life, and then to bring a game like this to life. It's a you're, I we've done over 1,400 interviews. I don't know I've had anybody else exactly doing what you're doing. Certainly not doing the kind of game or even the game development, if you can believe that. So, a very fortunate Aaron to have you here on the program. <laughs> um, what would be a piece of business advice that you might have received in your career that you feel you'd like to share with the audience today? Hmm. I think that a really important piece of business advice, and I think I basically already said this, but something that I'm discovering more and more is to be a really good listener. Um, I think it's, you know, as sort of a CEO or someone with a vision for something, it's easy to come at that with, you know, all of your energy, which I do. And, you know, you want to talk and you want to tell and you want to like be in charge and you want to drive the thing. But it is like crucial that you listen. And, it's, and, and I mean, listen to everybody, um, everybody on your team, your advisors, people, you know, grandmothers who I, I at pickup who I you know who are I'm talking to this about what do they say you know I've, I've talked with a grandmother who was an educator and what's her mm. opinion on this and what does she think would she ever wanted something like this in the past right um, and I think that is really really important and especially when you're working in the creative industries I mean there is no it, in a game, there are occasionally an auteur who can do like everything, right? They're an engineer and they're an artist, they can do the whole thing. More often than not, a game works like a film and it's a big group of collaborative people mm. and everybody has the different thing that they do and the different thing that they bring to it. And so listening is so important. I feel like that is 50% of my job. <laughs> I really do. It takes a lot of energy to listen though. Yeah. It does, but I have a lot of energy. So. Well, I can see that, but, it but it's, it's not a passive exercise, especially no, if you're listening active. to understand. Yes. Very, very active. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. We, uh, I'm glad we, we are glad that you find this, uh, fascinating and you agree with what you're, what we're saying here, at least what I'm not saying, what Aaron is saying about listening. I think that's a powerful, a powerful tool for any leader. You know, you talk about the team and collaborative and talent. Where does the talent reside that you're leaning on to help you to build Cora? My co-founder, she's amazing. Um, so I am very lucky to work with Allison Funk. Uh, she is actually an old time friend of mine from high school, if you oh. can believe it. We've been friends all this while. We've never worked together before, but we started working together uh, over a year ago. Um, I brought her on initially thinking that she would co-write Cora with me. She's an incredible writer and world builder, um, but she just immediately jumped into sort of all the high level thinking and she's so committed to the mission. And so 
we've been full partners basically ever since. Um, and so I lean on her a lot. I mean, she is co-creating this project with me and she's co-creating the company with me and we're developing future IP together. We have three games we want to make after Cora. Um, and other than that, I lean on the team. You know, we have Joe Bauer, who is our lead engineer on the playable prototype. We have Siobhan Hicks, who's doing UI interface design for us. Um, we have Joseph Bissell, who's going to start working on some of the, um, the 3D graphics for the playable prototype. Um, we worked with Tithi Luadthong. I hope I'm saying his last name right. He's a, a Thai uh, artist who did a bunch of concept art for us. And then on top of that, we have a whole list of advisors who we are working with. And everybody is bringing it to the table. I mean, I cannot tell you how lucky we are to be working with these people. Everybody is is invested and comes with ideas and with criticisms that are you know really important that point out the things that we are doing wrong or things that we need to change. So I am leaning on everyone, but I lean on Allison the most because she's my partner in crime. <laughs> That's nice to have that. You're very oh, fortunate. It's very amazing. Fortunate. It's yeah. The best. yeah, I can't imagine doing it without her. I really can't. So let's talk about tomorrow. What's the timeline? What's your vision? What's going to be happening in the future for you and your firm? Yeah. Well, if we had our druthers and we get the funding in the time that we want, um, our goal is to release Core at the end of 2026, early 2027. And then after that, there are three additional games that we want to make um, that address things like depression, social anxiety, emotional regulation um, for different you know, populations. One is for adolescents. They're geared to sort of different um, different audiences. And our goal is to make commercially successful games. We would love Cora to be a blockbuster, obviously, um, but also to build a sustainable company um, that can keep doing the kind of creative work that we want to do, where we can, you know, really invest in our employees and hopefully keep teams on from one game to the next mm -hmm. um, so that we can keep building talent, working with talent, and um, hopefully pushing the envelope when it comes to bringing these issues of mental health into the marketplace and making them part of the popular uh, popular uh, mainstream media and conversation. Well, I am very confident that you guys will be able to do that. I believe there is a very large need and yeah. this is a this is an interesting way to support that need and i i'm so glad we were able to find you and give you a little <laughs> bit of time here on the I'm platform so glad you were too it's been such a pleasure so if someone would like to connect with you or learn more about the firm where yeah. do they go uh well you can go to our website uh terralumen.com and contact us through that or you can find us on linkedin and reach out to me there follow us on linkedin those and are the two places we are right now so what's the significance behind the name Tara Lumen? Uh, Tara means um, different things in different languages, but it means soul, star, hill, or high place. And Lumen is a measurement of light. So sort of like soul light or starlight. Um, but yes, it's about finding the light within. Fantastic. Well, it is been a joy and thank you for giving a little bit of your busy schedule to our audience <laughs> here today and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me.
My pleasure, Aaron. I'd like to thank the audience, Paula, and all those other people that might be listening live or maybe watching us as a recording on you know, YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn. Our podcast, this will be a podcast as well, so you might be listening to us, not watching us. And uh, Aaron's appearance is a part of our catalog, 1,400 or so shows. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you have a story to tell, you'd like to be a guest on Critical Mass Business Talk Show, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I, F-R-A-N-Z-I, which happens to also be my website, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.